Well, when we think about verses that we've known, verses of Scripture that we've known most of our life, or maybe almost all of our life, one that immediately came to mind was John 3.16. I grew up at a time when uh, you could be watching an NFL football game and there might be somebody holding up a big sign that said, John 3.16. Some of you may remember Tim Tebow when he played quarterback for the University of Florida. And uh, he would put the black under his eyes and then he would have scripture uh, written there on his, on his cheekbones, right underneath his eyes. And uh, at some point in the game, the camera would give you a close-up and there would be John 3.16, although i got to say, Brother Tebow mixed it up. I mean, he there was. Uh, I'm not sure he used the same scripture uh, that that often. Uh, he used a lot of different scriptures that he tried to draw people to. But nonetheless, uh, for many of us, I know for myself, John three sixteen was the first verse uh, that I ever memorized, and of course, I memorized it in the King James. And uh, this morning in class, I had a couple people quoting scripture off the top of their head. And I noticed that they were quoting it in King James. And uh, there is not a thing in the world wrong with that. I mean, those, that scripture is still locked away the way people remembered it. And uh, reading that verse from the New International... For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Slightly different maybe than the way you memorized it growing up. But it doesn't change the message certainly. That God loved the world. That God gave the world a Savior. And that through that Savior, that we will not, even if we pass from this life, that we will not perish. But there is eternal life waiting for God's children. Now this morning's message is titled, Calling Us Heavenward. And so, uh, we think about about life though. Uh, We know that life has its storms. Uh, The road of life certainly has its potholes that we have to navigate at times. A story that I read this week, and it comes from uh, a book that was written in 1987... But it's from a sermon that was preached in, uh, in Scotland uh, in uh, 1930. And it begins in 1927, the wife of Scottish preacher Arthur Gossip died suddenly. When he returned to the pulpit, he preached a sermon, When Life Tumbles In, What Then? In that sermon, Gossip compared life to watching a plane pass through the sky during wartime. There you are lying on your back watching a plane fly gracefully across a brilliant sunlit blue sky 
when all of a sudden it is blown apart by gunfire and falls to earth, a tumbling, tangled mess of metal. Only on this occasion the gunfire was the tragically unexpected death of his beloved wife. Gossip went on to explain that he didn't understand this life. But what he did know was that during the darkest period of his life, he needed his faith more than ever. You people in the sunshine may believe the faith, he preached, but we in the shadow must believe it. We have nothing else. Without his faith, there was no hope. And I've remarked before, and, and somebody reminded me of it on a recent Wednesday evening Bible study, uh, that, you know, I don't understand where people turn when they have significant loss and don't have the faith that we share. Paul addresses the things that are most important in life talking about priorities. That when, when life tumbles in, so to speak, it makes us take stock of what our priorities are. And so he writes about that in Philippians chapter 3. I want to begin with verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now I'm going to stop there for just a moment because what Paul has done is uh, he's, he's saying that there should be no confidence in the flesh. In other words, we should have no confidence in our own abilities, in our own accomplishments. And Paul, right up there in verses 5 and 6, lists some of his own accomplishments. And so now he says that all those things that I considered gains previously, all those things that I had accomplished, all those things that I was proud of, I now consider them loss. That they were not gains at all, he's telling us. Maybe you've walked into somebody's office and they had what a former co-worker of mine, Jeff Cooper, used to call a love-me wall. And I remember walking in and he, he developed that term because of his own father, E.B. Cooper. E.B. had had an accomplished sales career. And so after 30, 40 years or so in sales, he had all kinds of plaques and awards. And he walked into his office and there was a nice big wooden desk larger than this uh, communion table. And behind that was an entire wall of photographs and plaques and just all kinds of awards that he had amassed in those three or four decades uh, working in sales. And so it's as if Paul is saying, hey, all those plaques you might have amassed over the years, all those awards, all those accomplishments, just go ahead and take them off the wall 
Because in reality, they really don't mean as much as you might think they mean. Go ahead and count all that as loss. Now, let me just say here, if you've got a plaque hanging somewhere with your name on it, it, this message isn't about, hey, you need to go home and take that down, okay? That's not what I'm saying here. Alright? But, what Paul is saying is, don't put confidence in all of those plaques. Display them, sure. But don't let your identity be found in what's on the wall. It's not about your accomplishments. That it's about Jesus. And so, he says that... uh, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. The aforementioned King James, I believe right there, instead of garbage, says dung. And so verse 9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of... What does it say, church, there? The basis of faith... I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead... I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul saying here that after this section that we've already discussed that, that hey, it's not about your flesh, it's not about what you've accomplished, but it's about Jesus. And then he gives these, makes these comments about saying that, hey, I've I've not yet arrived at the goal. What's the goal, church? That we look like the resurrected Savior in how we act and how we behaved and what our lives have become. Because our Christian faith does require us to change our lives. Our Christian faith does require us to live to a certain standard. And so Paul is saying, but I'm not yet there myself. I appreciate a guy who can admit. He says, hey, I'm working toward it, folks. But I myself am not there yet. But what am I doing? I am working toward that goal. I continue to press on toward that goal. And in the process, I forget what's behind me. What do we say, church, that the rearview mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield, right? 
that what's behind us, we might need to remember it at times and be aware of it. But it's way less important than the direction that we're going. And the direction we're going needs to be toward the cross. Right, church? That that's the direction we're going. And I think about the saints that have gone on before us. Someone brought me the Bible that belonged to Mary Blair Fielder. Now let me tell you, that's a Bible that got used, brethren. That right there, that is a Bible that got used. And I made the comment, I said, you know, I'm going to look through this and uh, I'm, I'm going to look at some of, her, some of her notes. I said, there may be a sermon or even a sermon series in some of, some of this. That, uh, you know, it's interesting to see what people write, especially when they have handwriting much better than mine. But they, when they write in the margins, oh, and then when the, the, what verses did they take the time to underline? And then just yesterday, not yesterday, Friday, uh, visited my mother. I think I had told someone that I'd only seen her once since COVID began, okay? That wasn't exactly accurate. I thought later I'd seen her twice. So it was the third time I'd seen my own mother in 18 months. And so I was determined to get away for a day. I went up to Nashville and had to take some things to Barrett and took him... Uh, and took him out to lunch, and then I drove about 90 minutes, uh, actually in Nashville traffic, it took closer to two hours, uh, down to Winchester uh, to see my mother. And uh, one of the things that she gave me was my father's Bible. And uh, like, like what some of you carry, it is a, uh, it's a King James, uh, Schofield Reference Edition, if that means anything to any of you. But uh, like like uh, Ms. Fielder, uh, I, I could see some of the notes that Dad left in his Bible. Uh, had it marked to Ephesians 5 and 6 is where it was last marked. And I could see uh, the things that he wrote in his margins here. Feed on his faithfulness. Psalm 37.3 i got to tell you, <laughs> I just turned to that page and saw that. I'll be reading from Psalm 37 this afternoon at the city parking lot. And to know that my dad had a connection with Psalm 37.3. But church, we don't get this. We don't come to this kind of faith by just showing up randomly every once in a while. We don't come to this kind of faith by putting Christ on the periphery of our lives. We come to this kind of faith by being students of God's Word. By taking the time to say, you know, that 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 teacher said, I'm going to underline that verse. 
hey, that that the preacher said, you know, I'd never considered that before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that little note in the margin of my Bible. These Bibles that are well worn. Because if we're going to withstand the storms of life, it's because we have a faith that has deep roots, church family. It's not because we have a casual, kind of, sort of, sort of faith. We're going to stand life's trials, life's hurts. And yes, the word suffering is not overstated here or dramatic. We think about what some of our brothers and sisters have endured in recent days. And I can't help but think that that's why a message that reminds us of the promise of heaven it was what was laid on my heart this morning for this morning. And so Paul goes on to say later in uh, Philippians 3 verses 20 and 21 but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Something else my mother gave me was a letter that I had written to my dad. I was employed by the Castor Knot Company at the time. Some of you may remember that department store uh, that was based in, uh, based in Nashville for about 100 years, I believe. Uh, and so uh, I had just attended a, a sales conference in Chicago that they had sent me to. And uh, I had a full-time position with them. And one of the things they said is write handwritten letters to, to some of your customers. And boy, does my smart aleck nature come through in what I wrote to my dad. Mr. Smith, your lovely wife mentioned recently how badly in need of a new suit you are. For a man of your wealth and stature to not have one decent suit is indeed a tragedy. And I know he would have, he, he got that. You know, I go on to say what I would have recommended and dad was old school because I'm recommending plain front trousers at a time when everybody was doing pleats. Uh, I'm recommending, you know, uh, I know that, you know, he's a, a guy that uh, would have worn plain bottom trousers at a time when everybody else was doing cuffs. That was dad, the old school retired Marine that he was. But uh, here's what I thought was interesting. Dad thought enough of that letter to do what, church? To keep it. That speaks volumes to a son right there. That he thought enough of a little smart aleck note knowing that I was probably the kid that was most like him to keep that, to stick that in a drawer 
and to keep it, to not throw it away. And I've got cards, and I know you do too, that people have written to me over the years. Cards that people wrote when my father died, about three years after I wrote that letter. Cards of encouragement that people have given me at different times in my life and in my time in ministry. And church, let's be reminded that this is not as good as it gets. There is something so much better waiting for us. And in that verse that Scotty read to us this morning, from 1 Corinthians 2, that no eye has seen, that no person has imagined what God has in store for us. But in closing, I remind us of this, Revelation 21 verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Praise God for His promises. Praise God for what awaits us. And if you are with us this morning and you are not yet able to cling to His promises because you have not yet confessed Christ as Lord and entered the waters of baptism, then we offer the invitation that today you can change that once and for all. If you're with us this morning and you have the need of prayer of your brothers and sisters in Christ, we extend the invitation to come on down, tell us what that need is, and we will pray with you about that. Let's stand and sing a song. Hey.